In the holy name of Jesus, amen. There are a ton of laws and regulations that you find in our society today. Some of them are for our own good. Some of them become downright annoying. When we used to live in California, it seemed as if every little thing that you purchased or every little place that you went would have a sticker on the item or outside of the building that said, something in this place or this item that you are going to buy has been found to possibly cause cancer. Therefore, be careful, be on guard. It was everywhere. You're pumping your gas, you see that because you're touching the gas handle. You go into a store, you see it. And then you couldn't use plastic bags and, and so forth with things. Laws and regulations are good, and sometimes they are downright annoying. I drove the uh, DPM back down here this past Friday from Iowa. I drove a rental truck. It was a brand new rental truck that had an internal monitor following me via GPS wherever I went. And every little time I would go over the yellow line or the dotted line, the truck would start to blare horns and warnings to me. Every time I went five miles over the speed limit, the truck would start to beep at me and tell me I was going too fast. And as I told the DPM a few times when we stopped on the way down, all I keep saying in the truck is, shut up. We have our own rules and regulations given for us in the church. They are the Ten Commandments. You may remember memorizing them and the meanings that they have for us. You may like to follow them. You might find them annoying as well. But nonetheless, they are given by God to us. And Jesus today is encountering a lawyer who, along with the Pharisees and the scribes, are legalists. They're doing every little look at the law and trying to figure out where Jesus can possibly be tripping himself up or his disciples. Ah, 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 you don't do that, Jesus. Don't say that. They're looking for one possible error that he is going to commit. Sort of like driving that truck. It was windy Friday. If I got blown over a little bit, the truck told me, you're doing this all wrong. Which it's nice for safety's sake, but after a while, you begin to ignore it. So Jesus is asked today about the law. How do you read it? And Jesus summarizes the law with the two tablets. You shall love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself the two hardest commandments we have to follow. Because number one, you do not want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you and I did, we would take everything that God tells us in his word, we would take it to be the truth, and we would hold on to it no matter what it is that we face in life. We wouldn't ask any questions. We certainly wouldn't sit there and have any doubts or fears. We would be more attentive in our prayers. We would be more attentive in our hearing and learning the scriptures. We would be more attentive in doing and saying everything that God wants us to do. That's hard enough to do. 
And God says today, you mess up one of these rules, one of these commandments, and you deserve sin, death, and his wrath. His condemnation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is as if I got pulled over for driving the truck over the line and the police officer executed me right there. It seems harsh. And if that's not hard enough, Jesus says today as well, an even greater commandment, next to the first one, that is greater commandment that is hard to follow. Love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing with that one? Who are you holding a grudge against? Who are you angry with? Who are you holding in contempt? Who are you sitting here saying, who do they think they are? Or look at how they are living their life. Or look at what they have done with their life. And who are you and who am I at times to hold everything in God's kingdom and his judgment against one another? rather than helping them, defending them, serving them in all things as the catechism tells us to do. But you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand what they said or they did. You don't understand how they acted toward me. You don't understand what it's like to be in my shoes. But Jesus does not color this commandment any different way. You notice he doesn't define who your neighbor is. Not just the people living next door to you or that you work with or go to school with or even sit at church with. It is everyone. So why are we given all of this? Is it to somehow say that we can maybe try to accomplish this? Or is it more or less to show us our sin and where we haven't fallen in line with God and his commandments? See, this is really what Christianity becomes for us in a lot of ways today. It becomes a checklist of things. I get asked this all the time. What do I have to do to be baptized? What do I have to do to be confirmed? What do I have to do in order to receive communion here? What is it that I have to do? What kind of process and steps do we have to follow? In a few short weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to be celebrating confirmation with our youth on Reformation Day. The old joke amongst pastors is, is, hey, you want to see the church decline? Do you want to see your numbers and attendance on Sunday decline? Just confirm somebody. Now you might say, what? But it's true. It happens. You go through instruction with kids and with adults, and after you go through confirmation, after you kind of jump through these hoops... You rarely see these kids regularly participating again. I've seen it. My own family has struggled with it at times, and just as like you and everybody else, it is not always the easiest thing to do to keep up after it's happened. But if we're looking at confirmation as some sort of hoop to jump through, then maybe we shouldn't confirm these kids. Because they're going to come here in two weeks and they're going to take a vow, not before you. They're not going to say, I know all six chief parts by memory and everything else. They're going to take a vow before God that they are confirming what was given in their baptism. What God has done for them in their baptism. And that they now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are able to speak and confirm these things 
in their own way according to the scriptures. And not only that, they are going to take this vow and swear before God and before you that they would lose all and rather even die than fall away from the church. By the way, you've said that too, and so have I. You and I have said this is the most important thing ever to me, this place. You may not like the guy standing in the pulpit, you may not like what you always hear. You may not like to always hear what the law of God has to say from this place, but it is in many ways for our own good. That's why Jesus today summarizes these commandments, but it is not something he says, now you go out and you try to do this on your own. Follow my moralistic example. Follow my pattern and you will be perfectly fine with the big guy upstairs. When I hear love God and love neighbor, I see a big fat zero in my heart. I see a big fat F as a failure. I'm constantly reminded of this with God's law all the time because I don't always love God and I don't always love you, my family, and others around me. And if Christianity is just about a checklist, don't do this, do this, don't do that, do this, and so forth, then you and I are going to utterly fail. I love checklists. I love keeping checklists. I love keeping things nice and organized, but I'm terrible at it. Ask anybody in the church office. I can't keep checklists. I think they're great when I have them made, but I can't keep hold of them. I can't keep hold of paper receipts and everything else. I'm terrible at following the rules at times that things need to happen in our day-to-day -day life. Stanley Howerowitz, one of a, a theologian, wrote a very famous quote that I've often loved. He said, Christianity is not a religion. It's an adventure. And I think that's a good way of kind of putting it. This is not about you coming in here today and putting in your punch card with Jesus and saying, I'm here. I hope you're happy. Now get off my back. This isn't about you learning today how to be better people and going out there and making a change that really impacts the world. This is about Christ showing up here today and saying, you and I have failed. And we have failed miserably at the checklist, at being religious people. And that is why we need Christ. We are not Pharisees and lawyers. Some of you are, I know, but you're not the religious lawyers or the scribes. They wanted to tell Jesus which is the greatest commandment. You do this and we're in. They were so legalistic about it that they had over 600 laws that they added to the Ten Commandments. The scribes themselves were the ones that were considered the fence keepers, the gatekeepers of the law. That was the biggest thing ever for them. Jesus comes today and says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. When you hear the Ten Commandments, love God, love your neighbor, as Jesus says today, yes, you and I haven't done it. 
We've failed horribly. And Jesus says to us over and over, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The law of God is given to show you and me how much we have done wrong. But the law has also been given to describe and show us Jesus. Jesus is the one that loved the Lord your God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus is the one who loves his neighbor as much as himself. Even as we heard in Bible class today, even the dregs of societies, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and others, the outcasts, the losers in life. He came for sinners. He came for lawbreakers. He came for all of us who could not fulfill the religious pills that we love to stuff in our mouths. That doesn't mean he takes away the law. You have no need of the gospel or his forgiveness unless you understand where you're at in this game called life or this adventure. Some days you act all Christian and pious and other days it's like I don't even act like I belong in the church. Paul recognizes this. I don't do the things I do. I do the things I know I'm not supposed to do. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The commandments describe for us what Jesus has done. He lived the perfect life, but it is not for you to follow his example. Let me say that again. He does not live the perfect life for you to now follow his example. He lives the perfect life in body and in soul and in everything and turns around and gives you the credit for it, taking on your guilt, your shame, your punishment, and your death. That is why the Father says on the last day of you and me, well done, good and faithful servant. You fulfilled the law perfectly. You obeyed every last little law that there was that I had established. And you and I might say in our heart of hearts, there's no way, but the Father sees his Son in you who has done all things perfectly on your behalf. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them constantly as Jesus is now our great intercessor. The one who simply prays on our behalf. This is what I love about our epistle today. Because in the midst of all of this, Paul basically says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And you are enriched in every possible way. This doesn't mean here today that as you go out forgiven, that you can just treat your neighbor poorly or with deaf ears or wishing that they were dead already. You are changed by the grace of God. You are changed in your baptism. And as you commune with Christ and as he becomes one with you today, you do not go out into this world alone. You go out with him who now lives in you. Remember what we heard last week? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And nothing harder to do in this life is that than loving our neighbor as ourselves. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even the person that I'm angry with, that I'm annoyed with, or that I don't want to be around. 
Paul says today, you are enriched in all speech and knowledge. This has been confirmed in you so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. This has been confirmed in you who, and through Jesus who will sustain you guiltless to the last day. What does that mean? It means in the end that yes, you are a sinner and so am I. The law tells us so today, but you are also now a saint. Forgiven and considered holy, innocent, righteous, blameless in God's sight. Because the blood of Jesus Christ forgives all of your sins. And not only that, as you are called into this fellowship, Christ is the one who will live in and through you for the better of others. Fulfilling the law in and through you, just as he has on the cross by taking on your punishment and your guilt. So that in the end, the law is still there. The rules still are written out for us. But thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ who has forgiven us, who strengthens us, and will hold us guiltless now and on the last day. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.